unaltered. There is magic in the mundane, bliss in the banal. The day is your dharma. I'm your host, Amaryllis, Ayurvedic health counselor, yogini, and Akashic Records reader. And this is your life, Altered. Hey, and welcome back to the Altered podcast. Hopefully last week you had a chance to listen to the episode as I discussed two mindset shifts that can help you implement the intentions that you were bringing in in the new year or the lunar new year or really any time. So today I'm going to go through a couple more. Um, they aren't so much mindset shifts. They're ways of working in your environment, but they still help you get your intentions out of your mind off the paper and really going in your life. And I, I'd forgotten about this, but there was a while back where when I came up with this word altered at the altar of your life, I also loved the play on the word altar because I saw it also as a way to alter a L T E R your life. And that's part of what I see habit change as being. It's um, bringing in spirit, you know, and deep desires, but then also changes need to get made into your day-to-day because most people, you know, I, I was the same way and some things definitely still are that same way that it's it doesn't feel sacred. It doesn't um, serve me in a higher way. It doesn't really help me be my best self. And we're not looking for perfection. It's just that I'm always on a growth path. I'm always looking to see how is it that I'm falling into a rut or habitual things or unconscious patterning? Because I don't want that. I want things to be more conscious and aware so that I can make choices that help me, um, how do I say this, really live the life that I came here to live, not based off of what anybody else thinks of my life or how society, the outside would see my life, but how I feel about my life and how I'm navigating through my existence on this planet. So we are here to alter our life A-L-T-A-R, bring in the sacred, the divine, highest self, spirit, and also alter with an E-R, our life, so that it works for us, so that it's in alignment with spirit, our highest selves, etc., however you see it. So these four, you know, between last podcast and this podcast, these four things really help you and facilitate that altering with an ER, the altering, the shifting, the changing of your life from the day to day. As a reminder, I now have PayPal and Venmo set up. The links are in the show notes below. So if this podcast is benefiting you, if it's inspiring you, if it's uh, educating you, whatever, and you would just like to say thank you and help support the podcast, by all means, please follow the links below and show your support. I am deeply grateful. 
Also, as a heads up, next week on Tuesday, we have just a spectacular moment in time with the numerology of 2-22-2022 on a Tuesday. And this, I think, is going to be an extremely special day. And any time that you can set aside for contemplation, meditation, quietude, so that you really connect with highest self and the divine, I think would be a great idea. I know that I'm going to um, personally be spending a lot of time, especially in the wee hours of the morning and throughout the day off and on in in meditation and kind of doing the the ceremonial things that I do to connect with you know, the beyond. So because it's such a special day, I'm going to record a guided meditation visualization for you. It's going to be the podcast that comes out on Monday. And so it's a little bit early, but you're welcome to do this. Um, I'll call it a meditation visualization on Monday evening, because you're still, you know, depending on your time zone too, I guess, you're still in the frequency of this time. Um, anytime on Tuesday, even, you know, carrying over into the next day, Wednesday morning. So this is going to be something for you to listen to as you're resting, you know, before bed or anytime that you're just kind of taking a break, taking a nap that you can listen to, tune in and access your highest potential. That's, I guess that's briefly how I'd sum it up. So stay tuned. That's going to be released on Monday. And whether or not you listen to this, you know, meditation visualization on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever you do, make sure that you take a moment to acknowledge this, the fact that the calendar has, you know, this numerology and, um, and that that means something. Okay. So let's get into these other two they're not mindset shifts, the, these two that I'm introducing today. They're ways of navigating your environment. The first one is called architecting your environment. Architecting your environment. So I got this from the book that I had mentioned um, on the last podcast. Uh, it was from, uh, let's see, sorry, I'm getting the book, uh, Body Thrive by Kate Stillman. And I'll put a link in the show notes also. So this book is primarily about implementing Ayurvedic habits into your lifestyle. But Kate Stillman, when she started writing this or doing the program, even before she wrote the book, doing the program for this with people, she realized, well, people can't make these changes in their lives without also supporting habit change. So, you know, she did a lot of research into habit change theory, and there's big money now into habit change science. It is a science, um, a, a social psychology, self-psychology. And so she, in the first chapter, she uh, breaks down several of kind of these um, habit shifts and things to be aware of and to recognize and to know before you get started in this program. So if you'd like to take a look at that, you're more than welcome to. But like I said, most of the book is on Ayurveda and how to implement some really key habits 
into your day-to-day life that are applicable to everybody. I, I highly recommend the book, but I get that that's not what this podcast episode is about. So, and also one that's just on habit change science is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he also has more about architecting your environment. What does that mean? It essentially means that you are shaped by your environment, your surroundings, a lot more than you realize. And your environment can support you or it can um, work against you if you're conscious and aware of that. So when you get into this habit of architecting your environment, you're recognizing that the space around you can help you bring in and support and continue and really anchor in those intentions and habits that you'd like to bring into your life. Typically what's happening in our environment, meaning most likely the home or the workspace, is that things are set up to continue the momentum of the old the, the old ways, the unconscious patterning, the habitual movements of how you move through your space and the ways that you're doing it, it's almost robotic. And not that that is bad, but if you're moving through robotic, unconscious ways in your environment and those are um, patterns that don't serve you or don't support what you're trying to do differently, then it can be problematic because you're going to be working against the environment that's set up for you that was of the old. So does that mean rehauling, revamping everything? No, of course not. You know, back to the previous episode, it's about easeful and small. So architecting your environment means bringing things into your space, you know, whatever space that really is that cue you, that kind of trigger you. Trigger not as in a negative response, but help you remember, oh yeah, I want this. I want to do this new thing, this different thing. Because a lot of the times we forget, right? It's something new and different and we don't remember to remember. So setting up your environment and little uh, cues in your environment helps you to remember, oh, right, there's this thing that I want to do that I made a decision about when I was in a very conscious and aligned place and really said to myself, this is something I want. It's that reminder for you. What are some examples of this? You know, what does it really mean? What am I really talking about? Well, a personal example, a couple of them is that, um, Several years ago, I was looking to start tongue scraping. Look into that if you don't know what that is. It's this uh, little metal device that you use to scrape all the gunk off the back of your tongue that deposits there while you're sleeping. So you're supposed to do this right when you wake up. And I thought, okay, well, how am I going to remember this? So I decided to leave it out on the counter. I don't usually leave things on the counter in the bathroom. I don't like that, you know, visually, but as I'm trying to set up a new habit, I want to alter the environment and 
do something different. So when I bought that tongue scraper, I would leave it out on the counter so that in the morning when I went into the restroom, I'd be like, oh, yep, that's what I want to do. I want a tongue scrape. Let me do that real quick. Another little thing, again, it's an Ayurvedic habit of oil swishing, swishing oil in your mouth for several minutes. It's great for oral hygiene, dental health. So how am I going to remember to do this? I put it in a little bottle and then um, I decided to leave it in my shower so that I would see it. So when I got into the shower, I was like, oh, yep, oil swishing. And I decided that that was the best time to do it because I'm not talking to anybody in the shower. You know, I'm not going to be interrupted. So it was a perfect time. My daughter's not going to come in and start talking to me. Great time to oil swish. How was I going to remember to do that? I left it in a little bottle on the shelf in my shower. So that every time I got in the shower, when it was, you know, just starting as a habit, I was like, yep, oh, there it is. Yep, going to start oil swishing. Those are a couple of examples where I set things out so that I would remember. There's another idea that you want to put the thing maybe that you don't want to do, make it so that it's harder to get to or harder to do, and the thing that you do want easier. So an example of that, I heard about somebody, um, because they were trying to, trying to drink less coffee and they wanted to drink more tea. So in order to <laughs> discourage that coffee habit, they put the coffee maker away. They put it underneath the counter because it's so easy if it's sitting right there out on the counter looking at you. All you got to do is just like, you know, pop that uh, little thingy in and boom, got your coffee. It's so easy. And it's looking at you all day. You're like, oh yeah, coffee. I want coffee. So in order to kind of architect the environment, so it made it harder to drink coffee so often and so easily this person decided, you know, they had their morning cup and then, you know, they cleaned it out and put it under the counter. So if they wanted coffee again, they were going to have to get underneath there and they put it, you know, kind of in an inconvenient spot. They were going to have to get underneath there, dig it out again, put it back on the counter, plug it in, you know, this whole process, they're like, ugh, I don't want to do that. So that's great. It's kind of making it harder to do what they're trying to stop doing anyway. And then also with that, they um, put teas really in a, um, a more accessible place. So they bought a bunch of nice teas and they put them on a, a shelf in a place that's really easy to get to. Actually, maybe they put them in a basket. They might've put them in a basket, like out on the counter so that the tea is what this person saw, not the coffee pot. And I think even they bought um, like a nice little tea set. So it just set up their environment so that they were seeing what they wanted and they were putting away what they didn't want anymore. I was reading in this book, Atomic Habits, and, you know, there's, there's millions of dollars, probably millions upon millions of dollars that are spent in uh, market psychology and how to place items in front of people so that they purchase them. So it's really about the environment and how things are laid out and how things are presented. Um, I was reading that 
things are purchased not because they were wanted, but because of how they were presented. So that it's not by purposeful choice that people are uh, getting these things, but it's driven because of an obvious, easeful option. Like it's just there, it's presented well. So they're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. And they just get it. So not, not necessarily because you went in that store wanting that. So other people are making decisions for you and presenting it in a way so that it's very easeful for you um, to do this, to want this, to accept this, and to choose this. And so you say, oh yeah, I want that. But did you make that decision or did somebody make that for you and then they presented it to you in a way so that you would also accept that? So a lot of the things that we're doing is just because of the way things are set up in front of us. And that's something that you want to keep in mind as you're say, as you're thinking about architecting your environment. It's, it's no small thing. Again, millions of dollars are spent on, uh, on things like this, about the layout, the design, the aesthetic, and how things in your environment are, um, are asking you to do and make certain choices. I'll give a few more examples of this architecting your environment because you can do it in a lot of different ways. You know, I've gone through setting up something to remind you, um, making the things that you don't want harder to access and do, and making those things that you do want more front and center and easy, like really easy to get to. So something that I love about my iPhone is that I can set the, um, what is it, the the color of the screen, I can set it to night mode where it turns amber. I can set the time for that, which I love. That also is architecting my environment because I don't want the blue light. I don't want the blue light past a certain time. So I think it's like 4 p.m. I have set it so that my phone turns really amber. Why? Because I want less blue light in the evening so that I uh, can decompress so that the brain is doing what it needs to do to get ready to, for sleep. And then it automatically comes back on, I think like 9 a.m. in the morning. I have architected my phone so that it supports what I want. I have just a couple more examples to share of this, architecting your environment. So another one is, um, I know a lot of people are like, uh, I don't want to watch so much TV. And what is front and center and focal in the house? The television. Everything revolves around the television. And homes are even designed so that, you know, the, um, the electrical wiring and plug-ins and everything is set up so that it's right there in the center of your living room. And people arrange the furniture so that everything is facing the TV. So maybe that works for a movie night. You know, you want a bunch of people together and all facing the television. But does that work on a day-to-day basis? Or is that simply saying and um, uh, unconsciously driving you to just sit on the couch and look at the screen? What if you changed that? Because I know a lot of people who are starting to kind of take that screen away 
or um, make it smaller or rearrange the furniture so that not everybody is just staring at the screen and so it doesn't, they don't just feel compelled to turn on the TV. So one of the things when I moved into this apartment was I was like, I'm not going to get one. I'm just straight up not going to get one. So that was helpful for me because it doesn't revolve around watching Netflix because there is no big screen in my, in my home. Uh, I know somebody else, they, uh, put the TV in, um, kind of a basement social area so that they have to go downstairs for like a movie night or something. Otherwise there's no big screen upstairs in the regular common living area. So they're not always getting that messaging, turn on the screen, watch me, sit in front of me. Just a thought, you know, it's something to consider. I know it's a bigger change than, you know, setting up a tongue scraper on your counter. But, you know, people are on different paths in terms of their habits and what's already going on in their environment. So that might be something you're ready to do and wanting to do as a family that y'all have been talking about it for a while. For other people, they're like, no, that's not something I'm looking to do. So yeah, that's fine. I'm just giving out examples, something to consider because maybe you've never even thought about the fact that Everything is constructed around the television set. And people keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger screens. So it kind of makes it harder to ignore, like, there's a screen. It's right there. Let's sit in front of it. And definitely no judgment if you're one of those people. It's I'm just giving examples of people who are wanting to do things differently and, like, how that environment shapes them. So another example is, again, on my phone. Why? Because I have my phone with me all the time and I'm not going to demonize it. I love my phone. I'm just going to say it right now. I love my iPhone. I, I don't hate it. I, I love what it it can do for me. So again, I, you know, I figure out ways to make it work for me, like the amber screen. And this one, um, I set up a timer. There are not a timer, an alarm. So I don't know if you realize this, but like on the alarm, uh, usually if you set a time, it just kind of comes up and uh, it comes up with this title alarm, but you can change that. And when I realized that I was like, oh yes. So I set up these alarms to go off throughout the day that, and I deleted the word alarm and I typed in my own phrase because there were certain affirmations that I just wanted to remind myself of throughout the day. You know, it's about remembering to remember. So I let my phone remember for me. Thank you, iPhone. So I set these alarms and they go off throughout the day. And, you know, one of them says, you, Amaryllis, expand in love, success, and abundance every day as you inspire others around you to do the same. I mean, how beautiful is that? So I set it in. It goes off every day. And whenever it goes off, I look at it and I speak the words out loud. And I've mentioned this before. It's important to say it out loud because it comes from the solar plexus up through the heart, up through the throat chakra and carries a vibration into the world. So I say it out loud. I've architected my environment. You know, it doesn't have to be remodeling the house. My phone is a part of my environment and I've set it up so that it works for me and helps remind me of the things that I want to do. So uh, I guess the last one is a bigger one. And I'll give this example just for those who 
you know, are ready to take a big step or feel that they need to take a really big step in order to uh, shift their environment to support whatever the intention is that you're bringing into your life. So for me, this one was, I wanted to move more. And Katie Bowman of Nutritious Movement does so much. She has uh, so many years of work about this, moving your body more and in smaller ways throughout the day so that it's not necessarily just about exercising for one hour of the day and then being sedentary for the rest of the day. I decided that I was going to have a chair-free home. So when I moved into this apartment, I set up my environment, my whole home, so that there are no chairs. And I get that this does not work for everybody. Um, I'm just sharing that this was a big lifestyle change that supports what I want. So there aren't any chairs in my apartment. Um, this summer, I actually just got a chair, which is actually a camping chair, and it's out on the balcony. But I, I never sit in it because I like to sit on the, um, the little balcony rug so what do I do? There's, um, there's like a, a, a little futon mattress that's on the floor. That's kind of like a couch. And even right now, as I'm sitting here recording this podcast, I'm sitting on the floor and I keep having to adjust my positioning. And that's the point. I wanted more movement and moving in different ways, sitting in different ways. Um, so, you know, there's so many different ways that I sit on the floor and, you know, on this little futon and then also my uh, dining table because it's myself and my daughter, I got like this Ikea table and then I had the legs shortened so that I could sit at it like uh, kind of more uh, style that you would see in Asia where they sit and eat, not in a chair, but kind of on the floor or on a mat, a little cushion. So that's what I've set up in my apartment because I wanted my legs and hips to move more in my own home. Because where else was I going to get that? How else was that going to happen? It wasn't going to happen with a one-hour yoga class once or twice a week. It happens all day, every day. And so this is, it, it's an example. And again, it's, it's not any sort of expectation, but it's just a way of saying, I set up my home to support what I wanted. And that was a really big shift. And, you know, it, it's possible because it's something I wanted and my daughter's really young. So I'm like, well, this is just how we live. Um, and it's also how a lot of people across the globe live. So, um, what I get in Western world, it's very different. It's like, whoa, uh, what do you mean? There's no chairs. So, okay. So that's, um, a lot of examples for architecting your environment. You you get from small to big that there are so many ways to shape what is around you that's always around you in order to support you. So looking back on some of these examples, think about, well, okay, what is it that I'm trying to bring in? What is it that I'm calling in? What is it that I'm trying to implement and really get into day-to-day -day life? And how could I set up some aspect or a variety of aspects in my environment to help me, to support me, because you don't want it to be hard. I mean, that's the last thing anybody wants is for the things you want to be hard. 
Life is already challenging enough. Don't make what you want hard also. Okay, so the second one that I'm not going to speak about quite as long because um, I, I just don't have quite as many um, examples and I feel like it's going to be a lot clearer to understand. Architecting your environment is kind of like, well, what does that even mean? So this one is um, take what you want to do and attach it to something that you already do habitually without even thinking about it. In this way, you're piggybacking off of the success that you already have doing something else, you know, whatever that is, because you know that you do it all the time. You know that you do it every single day. So you're attaching this new thing, linking it to this thing that you do have success with, meaning simply meaning that you do it every day or regularly all day, um, so that you'll have success with this other thing. So a couple of examples just quickly is like going back to that tongue scraper. Not only did I set it on the counter out in plain view so that I would remember, but I, I knew that linking it to what I did every single morning, which was wake up, go to the restroom, was going to guarantee success. Because I went to the restroom as soon as I woke up every single morning. Because like with tongue scraping, you have to do it first thing in the morning before you have any water or anything to eat. And what do I do every single morning before I drink anything or eat anything? I go to the restroom immediately. Bam, right there it is to remind me on the counter. Awesome, success. So that habit picked up immediately. And it's just completely automated at this point. I don't even think about tongue scraping now because it's so automated. And of course, I don't have the uh, scraper out on the counter anymore. It's in the uh, it's in the drawer because I know that I'm going to do it because those two habits are linked. In the restroom, scrape the tongue. Something else that I wanted to implement was uh, resting my feet over what's called these yoga tune-up balls. They're kind of like these little massage balls. And because I'm big into foot health and, you know, well, when was I going to carve out time to rub my feet over these? So I connected it. I linked it with something else that I do all day, every day. I wash dishes every night. And so I took these um, little balls and I set them right on the floor underneath the sink, the kitchen sink. And so whenever I go to wash dishes, cause I know I am every single night, there it is right there. Not only did I architect my environment so that I remember because it's on the floor, I see it, but it's connected and linked to something I'm going to be doing anyway. So I stand there, I wash my dishes. And while I'm doing that, you know, one foot is kind of pressing on and rolling on these massage balls. Just a couple more ideas that I have. They aren't necessarily um, things that I've implemented, but taking into account this linking is most people at some point during their day, they're going to charge their phone. So in your home, where your phone charger is, maybe you have a gratitude list of things that you always want to kind of give appreciation for, or maybe it's kind of a prayer list or um, affirmations that you want to say, you know, whatever it is, it's right there next to your phone charger so that 
every time you plug in or <laughs> plug in, but I know that some people have that new device, so you just lay it on top. So whenever you place the phone on the charger, that it's right there. It's architecting the environment, but also linking it to something you know you're going to do every single day, especially as much as we use our phones. So it's right there for you. Thank you. Um, you know, something else, a lot of people walk their dog, you know, at least twice a day. So what's something that you could link to walking your dog? So right before or right after you walk your dog, um, maybe something that you're wanting to put into place is, you know, doing some stretching, you know, just a couple of yoga poses. So maybe every time you go and get ready to walk your dog that you do a couple of poses. Nothing big, nothing huge, nothing serious, nothing that requires yoga pants and being barefoot. Maybe just a couple of things where you're like, ah, and you know, maybe you get your um, dog to do it too. And, you know, pup is then doing downward facing dog with you. And then do, 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 go about your walk. But you're linking it. So then in your mind, all of a sudden, those two things are going to fuse together so that it's not even, you're not even going to forget anymore because they're linked. They're uh, neurologically in the brain fused as together. They're now chunked. And that's what you're really wanting so that you don't have to remember to remember. It's automatically happening and um, using that Kaizen method of slow incremental changes day by day, you, you're finding, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm a little bit more flexible. I, I feel like I'm moving better. Okay, please let me know how these ideas this week and maybe even from last week are affecting your life and maybe what you're planning on doing and how you're going to shift things, how you're going to alter ER your life. And I will be back with you on Monday for that guided visualization meditation for the 2-22-2022 portal on Tuesday. Blessings, everybody. Remember that spirit guides but never decides. How will you choose this hour, this day, this week at the altar of your life? Thank you so much for listening. If you feel called, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it. Also, connect with me and discover more on Instagram at Amaryllis underscore Fernandez. Until next time.